All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Game Week edition of the Mainline Podcast. It is Wednesday, Wednesday, September 30th, and the Sooners are coming off a crushing loss at home to the Kansas State Wildcats. 38-35 this past Saturday in Norman at the hands of Skylar Thompson. Uh, I'm proud to be joined by my good friend, Mr. Adam Jacquez. And before we kind of kind of recap what's what, what went on this past Saturday, I know we were both in attendance, and Man, honestly, it was a tale of two halves. Oh, you kind of dominated from from the get go, and I guess once that three minute mark hit in the fourth or hit in the third quarter, it just kind of turned. So, Adam, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing all right, uh, considering the circumstances. It, it's been it's been a weird feeling. Uh, this being the second game, but in previous seasons, this would be right around the same time where we would normally seem to drop a game. So it's hard to really gauge what this means at this point in the season. Uh, Everything's just so different, but I know there was a a ton of talk about the defense immediately following the game. The, uh, the callers on the sports radio were very entertaining in that fashion, but from, from what we kind of talked about, even during the first half, the offense seemed out of sync, even though they were able to, to get some, some scores on the board and move the ball a little bit. But in your opinion, do you think that this was the defense's uh, fault that we lost the game? I'm not going to put it entirely on the defense. I mean, I think that for the better part of three full quarters, I think that the defense played pretty lights out. Um, going back and doing some research, uh, I think that the, the defense gave up around just over 100 yards um, all the way up until the two-and-a-half-minute mark of the third quarter. So, I mean, for the most part, the defense played played lights out. I was really happy with uh, with the performance, especially the first half. Um, I thought that OU looked great. You could kind of tell that even though the offense was putting up points, uh, twenty eight points in the first half, it, it just didn't quite it just didn't quite feel right. It didn't seem like they were ever truly able to get into a flow. Um, I know that you know Spencer, you know, having the I guess it was what two interceptions in the first half. The first one was got tipped by the defensive lineman, and then. Um, he just he just made a poor throw. You can't throw that ball up, you know, into the wind, double coverage. You you can't put your uh, you can't put the the ball up in the in a, into a situation like that. So, um, not gonna not gonna put it entirely on the defense because, like I said, I think they played pretty well for the most part. Um, there were it just kind of got into a situation where there were six eight plays that the the defense, whether it was a, a missed tackle, a busted coverage, but um, it just. It was just kind of one of those things where once K-State got the Band-Aid ripped off, OU wasn't able to answer and, and really couldn't stop the bleeding. It was, uh, it, it was the, it was something that OU fans have come to expect each year. There's always a game that, that OU is going to slip up and drop. Um, looking at the schedule three weeks ago before we kicked off, I didn't think Kansas State was a likely choice to be it. And even though we were expecting OU to kind of have one of these games, it was just so weird in which the way that it happened because really they outplayed them for the most part, you know, 75% of the game, and then they get outscored. I think it was 24 nothing over the final 16, 17 minutes, and it was just a weird game all around. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely looked at the, the first half, and I turned to the person next to me and basically said, nothing really spectacular, no amazing plays or anything, but overall just solid and – uh, you know, making tackles in space. It was it was a good performance. And I went back and looked at the, the drive charts. Listen to this. This is our, our defense on the field. 
throughout the game. First drive, three plays, eight yards. Next drive, three plays, four yards. Five plays, 15 yards. Nine plays, 65 yards and a touchdown. Three plays, five yards. Three plays, four yards. Three plays, 78 yards and a touchdown. Three plays, 75 yards and a touchdown. Eight plays, 38 yards and a touchdown. Two plays, 38 yards and a touchdown. Five plays, 29 yards and a field goal. And a few of those were, were after a turnover, so they had a little bit shorter field. But just the amount of, of massive backbreaking plays that, uh, that the defense gave up, and it just, it just really snowballed. Well, and again, you know, kind of going back and look at it, we knew that OU was going to run into a game like this, but really going into the week, similar to Missouri State, we didn't know that the game was uh, that there was a very good chance that the game was going to actually be played, and not not because of OU's fault. OU's about as healthy as they've been since you know starting fall camp. But you know when you look at K State breaking in five new offensive linemen, they were missing five of their you know eight defensive backs on the two deep roster, and like I said, you, you've got kind of what, you know, Chris Kleiman said in the post game. you know, it, it was Wednesday of, of last week where the, the defensive coaching staff for K-State just kind of got together and figured out, you know, how, how are we going to move people around to, you know, put together an 11-man defense out there. And like I said, you know, looking at the numbers, Rattler, 30-41, almost 400 passing yards, four touchdowns, you know, would, would love to be able to see him kind of clean up a few things. Like, he – I thought he played well. The offensive line was a huge concern for me, you know, especially once we got into the fourth quarter. There were often times, you know, whether it was a holding penalty, I think we had five holding penalties in the fourth quarter that just killed any type of momentum that OU was able to gain. And just, like I said, whether it was the guys being out of shape, guys being tired, there were so many instances, Adam, where Spencer really wasn't even able to fully get into his, you know, three, five-step drop, or he had two guys right in his face. And, you know, for a redshirt freshman quarterback making his first, you know, first career conference start, you know, that, that's a tough position that you're asking him to be put in. Yeah, I think the pressure definitely got to him as, as the game went on and it got closer and closer. He started to perform less and less. And you could see this even in the first half. He was getting a little bit shaken, jumping out of the pocket and moving around a little bit much when he really didn't need to. Uh, but in a lot of cases, the, the tackles really were, were getting beat on the edge consistently. Uh, I don't know why Eric Swenson continues to get thrown out there when he keeps getting beat around the edge by, by you know, guys who are, are good rushers and guys who are average rushers. Going back to last year, we saw a guy from South Dakota even beat him quite a bit. So I don't know what the what the solution is there on the offensive line. You'd like to think those guys, a majority of them were around last year, started together. They have the experience. They should be much better than they are. I saw several times where Marquise Hayes, he was talked up a lot after last season. He looked slow, both in pass protection and in the run game, just not getting to where he needed to be to, to, uh, to open up a lane. Well, and, and kind of going back to, to Eric Swenson, and, and again, I think, what, did he play two series before Bill Beanbow threw Anton Harrison in there? And I know that Swenson's played a lot of football. You know, he's, he's a redshirt senior. He's been with the program a long time. But, you know, not, not just at the, on the offensive line position, in particular the left tackle, but I think on the team as a whole, I'm almost at the point now to where if, if people are going to make mistakes, I want the young guys. To, to be out there that, that way they can kind of grow into the position they are going to make the mistakes but let's face it Anton Harrison you know probably the second or third best offensive lineman 
performance for, for that game. I thought he did a lot of good things. Andrew Rame did some good things uh, coming into uh, that left guard position for a few series. And, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I heard on the radio today that um, uh, in, in terms of the running back performance, OU's only had two rushing attempts this year that that's been uh, a greater than 15 yards. So when you talk about the big play capability that we expect to see from a Lincoln Riley offense, they're, they're just not getting that same production in the running game. And again, a lot of it's, you know, you don't have that, you don't have all that talent with the, uh, with the offensive, or excuse me, with the running back position, you, you know, losing Trey Sermon, losing Kennedy Brooks. There's a lot of good young talent out there, but it's just unproven. So, um, but again, the the running game this year, particularly with the offensive line play, has been uh, has been truly underwhelming through the first two weeks of the year. Yeah, I'm not I'm not terribly concerned about the running game just yet. It's kind of a annual tradition with a little beaten bow offensive line that the first couple of games are not going to be the greatest running performances. But then by the end of the year, we're in gear and we're we're really racking up the yards in the running game. It, it's a little bit tougher this season because we're jumping so quickly into conference play. So they've got to get their act together. But, you know, from your perspective, what do you think, you know, the offense needs to do to, to get back in sync at this point? Well, the first thing I, th- I think that they need to do is they need to make some changes as far as the playmakers that they're, they're feeding the ball to. Um, I think it's safe to say that the two uh, the two best players that we've seen on the offensive side of the ball so far this year has been uh, Marvin Mims. Austin Stogner had a huge game th- this past weekend. They Those two right there have been the most consistent uh, through the first two weeks of the year. So trying to find more creative ways, whether it's changing up the positions. And, Adam, I'll, th- I'll throw this back to you. I can't tell you how many times I, w- I-, I got frustrated on Saturday why on earth are those bubble screens getting thrown to Charleston Rambo? I know that he is supposed to be the guy this year that's ready to take that next step, become the CD lamb, become the Hollywood Brown, the true alpha dog in that room. But, and again, he's a good receiver, but where he's going to be the most effective are going to be those go routes, those comeback routes, those, you know, those post fade routes. He's the, the footwork. It almost looks like he's tap dancing when he catches the ball behind the line of scrimmage, doesn't get upfield. It just seems like he's real hesitant. So um, Lincoln Riley continuing to try to find ways to get, I think Theo Weiss needs to be involved a little bit more in the offense. I, I think especially, you know, he, he's had some good moments so far this year. We all saw, um, you know, the, the quickness and the yards after catch uh, playmaking ability that he, that he had in the Baylor game last year. So um, just, Continuing to find ways to, to get your best players the football out in space at the wide receiver position. I, I think that the offensive line, they've got so much experience at four of those five positions. And, again, they've been, uh, they've been a, a huge disappointment so far. But, you know, I trust Bill Beanbow. I think he's going to get the guys, you know, he's going to get that offensive line gelled. He's going to get them where they need to be. You just, you just hate that you had to, to take a loss uh, in order to get there. So, um I'm not, I'm not all that concerned about Smith Rattler. I'm curious to see what he's going to do in his first true road start. Um, again, it's, it's going to help only having, you know, 10, 15,000 people in the stands at Iowa State this weekend. So he's not going to truly have to deal with that, you know, that home field advantage, that, uh, that, that tough atmosphere that, you know, college football is so well known for. So 
Um, but, but again, just getting Spencer comfortable, keep him upright, keep him protected. That way he can go through his progressions. And, you know, you're, you're freaking Oklahoma. Like, line up, run the football, move the ball like we've been used to seeing the past four or five years. And I, I think that that's something that, that OU is going to have to do this weekend. They're going to have to play extremely well, Adam. Or, you know, we're, we're looking at one and two going into Red River Showdown next weekend. Yeah, I agree. And I, you may have seen this, but there was a really good thread that Gabe Eicher did on Twitter, basically showing a few times where the offensive line was really blocking completely well, you know, the way they were, everything was drawn up and the running back comes through the hole and he has to make one guy miss. And their credit to Kansas State, they were making some great form tackles, um, you know, stopping those plays at three or four yards at most. And, and that's why it was frustrating, especially as we got deeper and deeper into the fourth quarter, where Lincoln really abandoned the running game. And I just kept thinking, you know, if they got to that point and made the one safety miss, you know, you pop a 15, 20-yard run at minimum at that point. So you got to stick with it because eventually they are going to make that guy miss. And, uh, and so that was really frustrating. I, I do agree with you on Rambo. I think he really needs to catch the ball while he's moving and not standing still. He doesn't have the, uh, the elusiveness to, to really t- take those bubble screens anywhere. So we do need someone that's going to step up and really take a, take a lead. I, I feel like we should be that guy. He's been, he's been okay so far. Not great. Not, not bad, but we need someone to step up and be that guy that's going to make a play when it really counts. Well, and I think one of the more frustrating parts about the game this past Saturday was, you know, it, it was thirty, it was thirty-five fourteen, right, in, in the third quarter, and you know, you've got a three-touchdown lead, and again, we we see this. I, I feel like every loss in the Lincoln Riley area, with the exception of you know maybe one or two, Alabama in the uh, in the playoff, and and maybe even you know Clemson, but uh, it, it just feels like it feels like Riley gets into a habit where I don't know if taking his foot off the gas is the, is the right, is the right way to phrase it. But when you've got a three touchdown lead with three minutes left in the third quarter, put the game away. You know, it should have never been, Oh, you should have never been in a position on, on Saturday afternoon where, you know, that, that game was ever in doubt. So, um, but I, I think probably one, one of the frustrating parts for me was, Going into the year, you lose a Kenneth Murray. You lose a Parnell Motley, Neville Gallimore, C.D. Lamb, Jalen Hurts. You lose that, that five-man core leadership group that, that really led and, uh, you, you know, drove the, the, the rest of this football team. That fourth quarter when the wheels were coming off, it, it just didn't seem like anybody from OU stepped up and was like, okay, I'm going to make a play. Let's stop the bleeding. Let's get this thing under control. Again, got a three-touchdown lead. It just didn't seem like there was anybody on this on this OU football team that, you know, kind of put their foot in the ground and said, you know, let's step it up. Let's, you know, let's right the ship, and let's go win this football game. So that was that was probably the most disappointing thing for me. Yeah, for sure. I, I think a lot of people were, were disappointed in the defense and our – I mean, it's certainly a thing that we talk about almost every game seemingly – where it's, you know, hey, we didn't get a single turnover. We didn't get enough turnovers. And I think probably, you know, people debate back and forth, you know, is it something that you can actually cause or is it just random? I, I think you can definitely force turnovers. I think it really comes down to are the players in the right position? 
are they the right size and athletic ability to actually force those turnovers? I think the biggest example of that being lacking on this defense is the, the touchdown that Trey Brown gave up. Uh, it was probably about a 35 yard pass and he, uh, he tried to play bump and run with the receiver and he couldn't keep up and got burned. And, you know, we've, we've got to have much better play tighter coverage so that when those, you know, those passes are thrown, it's a lot harder to actually complete the ball. Uh, and then of course, getting to the quarterback and we had one sack the entire game, you know, some of the guys that we looked at from Missouri state that we're going to, we were really excited about like a Perry and Winfrey or Nick Benito just really weren't noticeable last Saturday. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not at the point yet where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm losing faith or, or think that there's cause for concern with the defensive line because, you know, really up until that fourth quarter started, you know, they, they did an excellent job of stopping the run. K-State was averaging less than two yards per carry. But when you get what you were talking about, when it comes to, to forcing turnovers and putting teams in a bad situation where, you know, it can lead to some interceptions and some fumbles, you've got to get pressure on the quarterback. You know, the, there, were, there were a lot of times where, you know, the, the defense would, would stop the run and they would get Kansas State into, you know, a third mid, third long situation. And that, that play that, you know, that happened along the OU sideline where Brian Meade, you know, got lost in coverage, going back and look at, looking at it, it, it wasn't his fault. But, you know, you can't, you can't let a quarterback sit there for six or seven seconds. You've got to get some pressure on him. You've got to get him on the ground, try to force him into a bad throw. Or, or else, you know, the, in today's game, you know, Division One football, these guys are too good. You can't just let them sit back there for five or six seconds because they're going to pick your, they're going to pick you apart, or you know, the quarterback's going to take off running. So, um, I would like to see the defense be a little bit more aggressive, especially in those obvious situations where you know it is going to be a pass play. You know, I, I, I don't mind if we're going to give up a big play. Let's be aggressive doing it. You know, let, let's take some chances and. You know, try, try to get some fumbles, try to get some interceptions, and try to get some extra possessions for our offense. So, um, dude, we, we were talking about it after the, after the game. Your, your two best players on, on defense, and, and I'll even narrow it down to one, I, everybody, you know, has had truly high expectations for this guy, you know, when he, when he got to OU and then he's had a bad first couple of years. Buki's been your best player on defense through the first two weeks, in my opinion. Uh, the, the jump that he's made from, from year two into year three, um, he's been about – he's been, you know, one of the few bright spots on this OU defense. And like I said, OU has not played that bad a defense for, you know, seven out of eight quarters this year. Yeah. I, I thought he was solid. I'd still like to see a lot more from him. Um, you know, he's, he's the smallest guy in the field, so maybe I need to keep my expectations a little bit lower. I'd really like to see him actually make a big tackle and not strut around the field. I think there was, there was one play where he tackled a receiver for a loss and she was strutting back, uh, you know, past Skylar Thompson and Skylar just gave him a high five and he kind of spooky slunk his shoulders at that point and just walked back to the defensive huddle. So I'd like him to actually make a tackle and not act like it was the first time he ever did that. Um, but, uh, you know, he is playing much better. So, so credit to him for that. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not as concerned about defense either, though. You know, we gave up a 77-yard pass, basically where Deuce Vaughn just juked two guys um, pretty hard. A 78-yard pass where coverage was busted. 
35-yard pass. Trey Brown got beat. A 38-yard uh, pass, or that might have been a run where, where Deuce Vaughn uh, hit that into the, the south end zone there. If you take out those four plays, our, our, the average amount of yards we allowed per play drops from, from 7.8 down to 3.6. And the total yards we would have given up without those four plays was 172. Yeah. So the defense was incredible. And, you know, it's okay to, you know, have a, a one, maybe two plays where it's total bust, things go terribly wrong. But to have four of those, uh, it was way too much to overcome. And, and we really needed the defense to, to help out because the offense was sputtering once we got into that late third quarter, early fourth quarter time frame. Yeah, the, the offense lost its rhythm, you know, late late in the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, and, you know, exactly what you just alluded to. I thought that the defense played extremely well, and, you know, you, there's going to be – there teams the teams nowadays, you know, the, they are talented. You know, they, there's a reason why these guys are, are college football players, just like what we've got on our team. But, you know, you, you are going to give up, you know, two, three, four plays a day. You know, the other team, they're going to get theirs. But it was just the perfect storm. You know, you, you can't have three interceptions. You can't have a fumble. Uh, you can't have a punt blocked, you know, on, on your half of the field. And uh, you, can't, you can't get stopped short on fourth and one on a quarterback sneak. That was I, – I did not understand that play call whatsoever. You know, it's uh, – I can't remember – I can't even remember what the yardage was, but it's third down. Creed Humphrey goes down with a cramp, brings up a fourth and one situation. You bring out a walk-on center uh, who's undersized by comparison to the to the defensive tackles that was on that was on Kansas State that day, and you put a 190-pound Spencer Rattler behind a walk-on center, and you 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 do a quarterback sneak, and that got stuffed. So it was just like I said, it was just a perfect storm. Everything just kind of snowballed, and and OU was never really able to you know to 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 stop anything like that. So. Um, I'm more concerned right now probably with the offense than I am with the defense. But, again, it's like what, what, what Riley said, you know, uh, yesterday during his press conference. Uh, a lot of mistakes, but a lot of those things are fixable. And, you know, it seems like he and Grinch are, are, uh, are confident that they are going to make those corrections. And, you know, they're, they're chomping at the bit to, to get up to Ames this weekend. So, um, Adam, yeah. so you know, on, a, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you put your panic level for, for OU? Going into this weekend, just as a whole for the outlook of the season. Uh, panic level right now, probably. I'm I'm at a four. Um, ask me again. That's what at, I was going to say. <laughs> ask me again at eleven o'clock on Saturday night. But like like I said, the the, the defense dominated. Uh, the, the defense has been good. Spencer Rattler, freshman quarterback, he's going to have some growing pains. You, you don't want to see the struggles that, that have come from the offensive line when you've got four out of those five guys that are, you know, very experienced, played a lot of football together. Um, I think the running game is going to be fine. They'll make a few corrections in that. You know, the, the, the wide receivers, the H-back position has been spectacular. So, you know, using an Austin Stogner, Braden Willis, Jeremiah Hall, who had one hell of a catch on Saturday. I don't know if you saw the replay of that, but kind of pinning it down uh, on, on his legs, bringing that catch in, that was, that was spectacular. So um, I, I, I feel okay uh, about the defense. Again, I think that this will be our, this weekend up in Ames, this will be our biggest test on both sides of the football. Um, but again, I think a, a lot of, a lot of mistakes in the fourth quarter this past weekend, but I, I, I think that as a whole, I'm not quite ready to hit that panic button yet. How about you? Yeah, no, I, I feel the same. I'm I'm curious to know what 
the mindset and mentality of the defense is this week. We really haven't heard a lot from them and had much opportunity to get interviews from them. But if they are looking at it the way we're looking at it and seeing these stats, you know, they should be thinking we're one busted coverage and maybe one missed tackle away from, you know, having a much, much better performance, uh, maybe, you know, two touchdowns better at least at that point and looking way better than, than it did at the end of the day. So I'm hopeful that they have that mentality of, hey, we're, we're that close to really being a great defense rather than having a snowball effect of, you know, the first thing that goes wrong in Ames Saturday and all of a sudden it becomes 2018 all over again. So hopefully we, we see a, a good mindset from them. Well, like you said, you know, this is we, – we knew going into the year that the, the front half of the schedule, you know, it was front-loaded. This three-game stretch that, that's coming up here um, at Iowa State, Texas down in Dallas next weekend, then in Fort Worth against Gary Patterson's TCU Horned Frogs. I, I think that this three-game stretch right here is, you know, it's, it's make or break for OU season. And, um, Adam, before we kind of, you know, turn the page and, and look ahead to Iowa State on Saturday night, are there any if you're if you're coaching this football team or you, you know from from your point of view as a fan that, that's been to both of these football games, are are there any changes that, that that you would like to see happen this weekend? Whether it's from a personnel standpoint, from a game plan, things that they should focus on, you know, maybe within you know like an offensive scheme. What are some things that you would like to see, um, you know, through the first two weeks as they head into uh, as they head into Ames on Saturday night? Ideally, I think I'd like to see your top five offensive linemen and, and stick with that and let them play a lot. I don't know if, if Bean Bo knows what, uh, what his top five are, so maybe that's not possible. Um, I would also like to see a lot more of Seth McGowan. I think he's, he's got that it factor. You know, you do have to play a little bit of rotation. We didn't see Marcus Major uh, in the game on Saturday. I don't know if he was injured or just Lincoln only felt comfortable running out two guys. It was interesting seeing uh, TJ Pledger out for the very first time and getting the most most run as a Sooner that we've ever seen. I thought he, he looked, looked good. I, I thought It seemed like he looked good, but then you go back and look at the stats and he was averaging, I think, a little over three yards a carry. So I, I don't know if that was – just you know the way he he ran the style or anything he seemed to do really well in pass protection so I'm sure he'll continue to get a lot of playing time it, but I don't know Seth McGowan looks like he's the guy that's actually going to break that tackle and, and have that long run and you know just run through a defense yeah I, I, I agree with you on all that and I know that um, you know Iowa State they've Matt Campbell they're they're an extremely you know, well-coached team. They're going to have a good game plan, you know, in store for OU this weekend. And, you know, even back, you know, going all the way back to, you know, Baker's, you know, last couple of years at OU and, and even with Kyler and, and Jalen last year, the the defensive game plan and the scheme that they run with that two high, you know, almost that, that two safety high look where, you know, it's kind of like an umbrella defense, like to keep everything in front of them, you know, don't give, a, don't give up the big play, come up, make a tackle. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what Lincoln does because uh, you you got to be able to run the football this weekend. Um, and I know that the, our offensive line had a had a bit of a struggle uh, against Kansas State. Wyatt Hubert, he kind of had his way, you know, kind of going back and forth amongst both of our tackles and even some of the pressure that they were able to get on the on the interior offensive line uh, was cause for concern. But 
Um, this will be the best defense through the first three weeks that, that OU's played. And, uh, again, going on the road, first first away game, first true road experience for, for Spencer Rattler. Um, I expect OU to come out and play well, um, you would think, coming off of a loss. Um, you know what losses are like here in Norman <laughs> from, from our time in the ticket office. They're not fun. Um, I would expect uh, that OU's had a, had a tremendous week of practice, and I would expect them to come out Saturday, you know, guns blazing with their hair on fire. So um, 6.30 Saturday night, uh, you got to be able to run the football, and you, you got to get off to a fast start. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at the box score from last Saturday's game for Iowa State. Uh, they played TCU at TCU, and some very interesting similar – um, similar stats from what K-State had. Uh, we totally destroyed K-State in first downs. TCU had 27 first downs and Iowa State only had 14. Uh, so some similarities there. TCU had more total yards. Um, they did lose the turnover battle, but some odd similarities there. And, and then just looking at how TCU was able to run the ball, they ran 43 times with about 10 different guys, not one of them named Zach Evans, by the way, and only averaged 2.3 yards per carry. So OU's got their, their work cut out for them if they're, if they're going to run the ball effectively. Um, but I think you're right. I think that needs to be the key. We need to run the ball well early and often and, uh, and make, make it so that Spencer Rattler isn't put in the same position he, he was this past week. You know, we all think he's got some incredible arm talent, but from a mental perspective, he's still very young. Yeah, and I, I don't, I'm sure you saw it earlier, but on, on Twitter, Iowa State put out the uh, uniform that they're going to be wearing this uh, this upcoming Saturday. And for anybody that follows college football, um, I was like, oh, my God, no, they're not wearing the all-black uniforms because the uh, last couple times that they've worn those the, the past two years, you know, they've, they've upset a higher-ranked team on their home field. So, uh, again, excited about the matchup. OU's going to have to play extremely well on both sides of the football. Um, you got to establish the run game right out of the gate. You know, wh whether it's starting out, whether it's throwing Pledger out there, whether it's throwing, you know, a Seth McGowan or um, – I'd, I'd even like seeing, you know, Mikey Henderson. Let's get, let's get him involved a little bit he more. He didn't play at all this past Saturday. Not a so single I, snap. I don't – did you see him on the sideline or yeah. is he maybe out? Okay. Yeah. That's, he, that's interesting. That's very um, interesting. So you, you got to establish the run game, take the pressure off of Spencer. You, you know, that, that way kind of opens up the play-action game, opens up the passing game because, like I said, I, I, I don't want to get into a situation where um, you're kicking off second quarter, OU's down, and you find yourself in a dogfight. So you got to get off to a fast start, especially on the road, and I would expect coming off, coming off of a loss to K-State this past weekend, um, OU, should come, OU should come out on fire. So – um, again, definitely excited about it. You, you're going to be uh, – uh, you're, you're not going, are you? Oh, no. I'll be watching from home. I, I imagine it's probably a tough ticket. Uh, this will be the first game that Iowa State fans have actually been able to go in in person because uh, of the first game. They, uh, they reversed it and nobody was there except for the band completely spaced out. It looked pretty sad on TV even worse when they ended up losing to Louisiana. So I'm do sure they're know, chomping at the bit to get in there. Do we know how many fans they're going to allow? What they're I think I've, I, I think I've heard it might've been 15% or, or 15,000. Um, I'm looking at it on StubHub right now. It's actually with fees, uh, $108 get in. So that's not too bad at all. Too bad. It's not too bad. <laughs> I'll tell you what, fast forward to uh, next week and check out what those OU tickets are going for on StubHub. So 
I'm uh, praying that uh, OU comes out with a win. And uh, Texas has got a tough matchup this weekend too. I mean, it's TCU. TCU's won five out of last uh, five out of the last six uh, against the Horns. So uh, Gary Patterson, he'll have his team ready to go. And uh, I'm, you know, I I'm never rooting for Texas, but if uh, OU's able to pull it out and, uh, you know, take care of business on Saturday night, I hope Texas, you know, rolls into the Cotton Bowl next weekend undefeated, feeling good, because it seems like when, when OU plays Texas at their, uh, at their best or when Texas, you know, uh, is the higher-ranked team, has kind of that we-are-back uh, motto going, that, that's when OU steps up and seems like they play their best ball against Texas. So. Yeah, that, jumping ahead a little bit, but, yeah, we, we really haven't seen OU's best game in the Cotton Bowl since probably Landry Jones. So I, every year I keep saying it feels like we're due, but uh, we, we got we to gotta come out and actually show a lot of improvement against Iowa State first. So you don't think Rattler's going to throw for 500 yards and six touchdowns next weekend? Not, not uh, quite there I, yet? <laughs> no, I, I hope I'm wrong, but no. That, uh, that Baker game, his – I guess it was his junior year that he threw those three touchdown passes to Didi uh, in the second half. That was uh, that was probably the best game that they've played since the Landry Jones era. But no, that that senior year game for Landry Jones, where I think they beat him like what sixty three to to twenty. I mean that Something that like was, that, yeah, just just hammering him. So, um, but again, got to take care of business on Saturday night, and I I think that OU, I think that OU will play well. I think that they'll bounce back. Um, a few things to correct from the K-State game, but, you know, kind of what we were talking about. They dominated that, that game for three quarters and just clean up a few things, be ready to go. And um, oh, he's got to play well, but I fully expect him to, uh, to, to come out with a, with a win on Saturday night up in Ames. I agree. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with the Sooners on this one. I've uh, got over here on the TV, can't believe the NBA Finals are starting. You got the – I know the Lakers are up 11 right now. Uh, through halfway through the second quarter, are you still pretty confident Lakers, or think the Heat will give them a game or give them a series? Man, the Heat have been so good in the bubble, but at the same time, the Lakers have for most of it too. I think it's hard to pick against LeBron, Anthony Davis, uh, even though it's just a basically a two-man team. But it's hard to pick against LeBron. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, again, some, some other NBA news, you know, Billy Donovan, uh, now the coach of the Chicago Bulls, that leaves a vacant position right now for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And uh, I know that, again, we're still finishing up the, the NBA finals right now, those getting underway. But uh, any idea or who you would like to see, Adam, uh, at the head coaching job for, for the Thunder next year? You know, Will Hardy's a name that's come up quite a bit as a young guy that, you know, would probably fit the salary requirements that the Thunder have are or are looking for for the head what's coaching it, position. What's his background? I'm not familiar with. Yeah, so uh, I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about him. I know he's been with the, the Spurs a little bit, which is always a, a good tree to come off of. Uh, I, to, I don't really think that, you know, it matters a ton who this guy is. I mean, we're, we're, we're tanking. So <laughs> it, it almost doesn't matter too much as long as it's someone that can really develop the young guys and, and, you know, grow them into the superstars that they need to be. I, we see so often in the NBA where you bring a coach in, he gets them out of the tanking mode, they become a playoff contender, and then they can't get over the hump 
they fire that guy and they bring, you know, someone new in, similar to Scotty Brooks to Billy Donovan. The Sixers are, are going through that right now. So I don't think that the next coach that we get is going to be the one that could, could potentially, you know, get us a championship. But I don't know. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter all that much. We're, we're about to go tank. So <laughs> let, me, yeah. let me get your thoughts on these two uh, possible candidates just to kind of see what you think. And, again, I know that uh, we're, we're not planning on, on winning a championship anytime soon. We're going to kind of blow things up and, and start from the ground floor. But uh, Bill Self – Kendrick Perkins. Bill Self is way too expensive. You think he's so? Making, oh, yeah. He's making, I think, $7 million at Kansas right now. $7.1 million. Billy Donovan was making less, less than that at the Thunder. The Thunder are not about to, to try to spend that much on a coach for a team that is you know, not going to have a ton of attendance, probably is not going to be raking in nearly as much money. So I, I just don't see that happening. Kendrick Perkins, I think, I think we can do better. Uh, I, I'm not, I, I, don't, I guess I don't understand as much of the infatuation that people have with former players. He's good for a quote here and there, but can he be a coach? I, I, don't, I don't know that there's any evidence of that at this point. Well, I guess the reason why the Bill Self name, you know, kind of, uh, kind of rings a bell uh, the, that I think would, you know, be an exciting possibility. One, he's an Oklahoma guy, but two, it just seems like any day now, Kansas is going to get just hammered um, with, with, by by the NCAA for all of the uh, all of the uh, wonderful things that have gone on up in Lawrence with the recruiting violations, you know, paying of players. Uh, it's, you know, I, I would expect that if there is a good time for, you know, Bill Self to kind of take a leap, go to that NBA level, uh, probably wouldn't seem like a, like a bad time. So, yeah, um, I mean, I kind of feel like at this point they're, they're almost immune to that. It's more of your Oklahoma States that can't get away from the, the sanctions and penalties. And, it, and if Bill Self really wanted to go to the NBA, I, I think he could do a lot better than the, what the Thunder's current situation is. I guess looking forward to the Thunder's roster going into next year, and we'll this is kind of be my last NBA question. We'll we'll kind of kick it back to football here. No chance Chris Paul is back in a Thunder uniform next year. I think there's definitely a chance, but looking at the Bucks, the Sixers, the Knicks, maybe even some wild card out there, there's a lot of really decent trade partners out there right now. I think my preference would be the Knicks they have some shorter contracts to, to bring back. So a little bit cleaner on the cap sheet, but I, I think there's so many good trade partners for him right now. It, it makes too much sense for him to be traded probably before the season starts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's a good point. And again, would he definitely exceeded my expectations this year, the not just Chris Paul, but the thunder as a whole. So definitely would not mind seeing him back in the thunder uniform heading into next year. So um, kind of t- uh, taking a step back here uh, to, to football. Um, is there any other games uh, around the country this weekend, Adam, that you're you know excited for? Going to be you know tuned in to watch, uh, not just on Saturday but Sunday also. Yeah, first and foremost uh, would be Liberty versus Northern Alabama. (laughs) 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 Got to give a shout out to an O Liberty, the the alma mater there. But uh, there's actually some really great games uh, in college football. We talked about TCU in Texas as an 11 a.m. kick. Um, So I I think that'll be one to to keep an eye on. And then head-to-head with OU in the night slot, you've got Auburn and Georgia. 
both of those teams were in dogfights, although Auburn was against Kentucky. I think that's fair to, to be in a dogfight with them in your opener. Georgia, though, on the other hand, looked a little rough in the first half. I don't, I don't know what their quarterback room is, is looking like. They were playing a fourth string, uh, fourth string walk-on, former walk-on. So uh, who knows what they're going to going to look like so I think there's some good ones there and then of course on Sunday I think you were alluding to the the Cowboys and the Browns absolutely uh, the Browns have have started to turn around they didn't didn't have a great opener of course it was against the Ravens but uh, they've looked pretty good so far even if it's against not the best competition the Cowboys of course <laughs> what a mess they're up <laughs> and down every week I'm so glad I'm not a Cowboys fan it's uh, it, it's a blessing and a curse. Uh, again, always with the Cowboys, high expectations every preseason, and then throughout that 16 game schedule, they will find a way to break your heart. So, but that's that's the one that I was referring to. Excited to see Baker come back to uh, come back to Texas, play a game. Um, really, that was one that I had circled before this whole COVID thing hit. When the when the NFL schedule got dropped, that was one that I was definitely going to try to to make the trip down I 35 to go to go check out, but. Uh, don't see that being a possibility right now, but I will definitely be tuned in. Uh, kind of a, uh, you know, I, I won't be won't be uh, disappointed if my Cowboys win simply because it is Baker uh, and the Browns that they are playing. So uh, I'll be tuned into that. I'm sure I'll be, you know, catching the highlights, flipping back and forth. How fun has Kyler Murray been to watch so far this year? You know, I think outside of, you know, Patrick Mahomes, what he did against the Ravens, you know, fantastic performance and, Russell Wilson getting a, you know, firsthand look at what he did this past week in my Cowboys, you know, my God, that, that dude is, that, that dude is phenomenal. But, you know, Kyler Murray, he's a, he's probably what a top four or five MVP race right now. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was just thinking that he has gotten off to a really great start, even though they lost to the lions last, uh, last Sunday. I think he's going to have to really, really carry that team to a division title if he's even going to be in the discussion by the end of the year. So we'll see if he can keep it up. But a really promising start, much better than Baker's year two. So I'm excited. And uh, and it looks like that division might be potentially open. We'll see how they can match up with the Seahawks when that time comes. But the, the Niners definitely look susceptible at this point. Yeah, and like I said, the uh, checking out that Monday night game two nights ago, that kind of the AFC championship preview, it, it, it was almost similar to watching what OU was able to do, you know, during Baker's senior year, watching Kyler Murray. Seeing what Andy Reid and, and Mahomes are doing with, with those weapons, Travis Kelsey, you know, Clyde's Edward Hilaire, Sammy Watkins, Syrie Kill, I don't know how anybody's going to stop that team. Um I just I, – I, I'm not quite ready to say that it's a guarantee that the – you know, it's the uh, uh, Chiefs Super Bowl to lose at this point, but I don't know how anybody's going to stop that team. No, I mean, they do have one of the better defenses on a shorter week against New England this Sunday. We'll see if maybe that can, can change anything. I, I doubt it can. They've just got so many weapons. It's It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, kind of before we get out of here, one of the things that we've kind of talked about that we're going to start including, uh, probably including, you know, a segment here now um, is, you know, we're going to be talking, you know, um, some some sports gambling, you know, talking some spreads, overs, under. Um, I think that that's definitely something that, you know, once we've kind of got out of the, uh, the, the sports business, you know, that's something that I pay pay attention to a lot of, money line spread, over, under. Um, definitely enjoy uh, not just watching the games, but having a little money on it makes makes watching it that much more fun. So, 
Uh, again, we'll, we'll kind of dive into that a little bit, a uh, little bit next week. Uh, big, big show next week. OU Texas coming up next week. Um, but Adam, kind of before we get out of here, just kind of some last thoughts uh, as we wrap up K-State um, and move forward to Saturday night at 6.30 when OU's going to take on Iowa State. Yeah, I think definitely a crossroads for the Sooners right now. Is this going to be the annual random loss that no one saw coming that frustrates everyone or are we headed for a 2014 or 2009 or 2005 type of year i hope it's the uh the former not the latter uh, but uh it, it's early in the season so not a not hardly any room for error at this point mm-hmm. again huge game for the sooners this upcoming saturday uh even heard um, you know, a couple guys on the radio earlier today, they were, you know, talking about the question, is this other than the playoff games, of course, and, and even a Big 12 title game, you think this weekend, Adam, is this the most pressure that, that's been on Lincoln Riley um, outside of the playoffs and outside of a title game? Is this game this weekend the most pressure he's got on him? Uh, I don't know and about I, that. And, I, <laughs> and just to kind of – I'll let you think on that, but – you start the year out if, – if you lose this weekend, you start out one and two. You've got a tr- you've got a redshirt freshman quarterback. You've got Texas next weekend. You've still got Bedlam down the line. Baylor's been impressive looking so far. Trip to West Virginia, that's always tough. If you, if you don't take care of business this weekend, I think that you're easily looking uh, – I think that a three, four-loss season uh, is, is very likely this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about the most pressure at, at this point. It's still so early in the year. We really have a lot of unknowns. We don't, we don't truly know what this team is quite yet. I, I think there's probably some some games where uh, Mike Stoops was still in town that there was a lot more pressure just knowing that we were going into, you know, you know beat up on a, on a quarterback or at least try to compete <laughs> with a quarterback and we had no chance. So I, I don't know about the most pressure, but I think it is definitely the the crossroads game at this point. And so it can go one of two ways, you know, if, if we come out and have a solid performance, even if it's, uh, you know, just a a 10 or 10 point, 14 point win, that -hmm. can be the momentum we need to go on that uh, almost traditional run (laughs) of just never losing after, you know, that first loss. It sucks. I hate, 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 hate these random losses. You don't see, the big boys, Clemson and, and Alabama and Ohio State doing it nearly as much as we do. So we've got to get that cleaned up in the future seasons. But, yeah, it's a, it's a big game. We've got to take care of business. Well, we're going to move that championship November mindset up just a few weeks. So, uh, But, again, excited about it. I think OU is going to come out, play well. I think they're going to bounce back. And, like I said, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a 20-point win or a one-point win, Anytime you come out of Ames with a victory, uh, you know, that, that's the goal. So uh, take care of business Saturday night, get on the bus, and let's get ready for Texas next weekend. So, uh, Adam, anything else before we uh, close up shop and get out of here? That's all I got. Let's get cool. to Saturday. All right, man. Well, Sooners uh, Cyclones, 630 Jack Trice Stadium Saturday night. We've got Herb Street and Fowler on the call. Uh, and, again, what, uh, what, what kind of team are we going to expect? What, uh, what OU team is going to come out of the gate and show up? Uh, when they take on take on the Cyclones. So that's going to do it for us here at the Mainline Podcast. Adam, thanks for joining us, buddy. We will be back next weekend, hopefully talking about an Oklahoma win uh, against Iowa State and leading into OU Texas weekend. So we'll have a lot of really good content on that, a lot of, uh, a lot of good stories, a lot of good memories 
for OU Texas weekend. So, uh, from, again, Tyler and Adam here at the Mainline Podcast. Appreciate you guys for joining us, and let's take care of business Saturday night. Cheers, guys.